0: You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we are working our way through the Lord's Prayer, phrase by phrase. Today, it will actually be, and I think we could say literally, I guess that's the uh, appropriate use of that term, literally word by word in the text. Uh, We will look at each word of what we're going to talk about today as we look at the theme, Hallowed Be Your Name, Matthew 6 and uh, verse 9. Have you ever had the experience of frantically looking for something that you've lost uh, only to find that what you're looking for is in plain view? Here's another way to ask that question. Are you a male? That would be the other way to uh, ask that because that is really typical, at least of me and many of the men that I know, that it's just right there. So I've had this experience of you, you know, frantically looking for my sunglasses, which are like on my head, and uh, where are they? Or calling out, hey, has anybody seen my keys? And they're in my pocket. So this kind of experience, I know this experience, and I know it more frequently uh, as I get older, looking for something that is in plain sight. Sometimes we miss the most obvious things. And as we read this text today, I think we're going to see that sometimes we miss what is so obvious about the phrase that we're going to study today. Jesus is going to give us a phrase to pray that on the surface seems very perplexing, but as we look at it we're going to see that this phrase is foundational to all of our prayer and actually more broadly it's foundational to our whole lives. It's foundational to our whole lives. And it is verse 6 of Matthew I'm sorry verse 9 of Matthew 6. So we're going phrase by phrase, and I'm going to refrain from reading the whole prayer. I'm just going to read the phrase because I'm wanting to make the point that this is an outline of prayer, and we're going to concentrate on each phrase. So I'll read last week's phrase and this week's. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 9, this is God's holy word. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the phrase today, hallowed be your name. Let's pray as we study that phrase. Lord, we pray this prayer, hallowed be your name in this moment. We ask that you would help us to understand, and we ask that you would help us to respond. And in this very time, we pray that we would do what you say here. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hallowed be your name. Uh, the great theologian J.I. Packer, who recently went to be with the Lord, said of this phrase, Hallowed be your name, understand it and make it your own. And you have unlocked the secret of both prayer and life. He says this phrase is so charged, so powerful, understand it and make it your own. And he's making a bold claim you have unlocked the secret of all prayer. And of all life. Now, as we look at this phrase and what it means, I'm I'm going to ask three questions to help us interpret it and apply it. Here are the three questions What does Jesus say in this phrase? What does Jesus say? What does Jesus mean? And how should we respond? What does Jesus say? What does Jesus mean? and how should we respond? So first of all, what does Jesus say? The prayer starts, we saw last week, with a preface, our Father in heaven. That's the address to uh, our Father recognizing both His transcendence and His eminence. So we address our Heavenly Father, and the first thing we do after that is we pray this petition, hallowed be your name. It's the first of six requests our petitions. We saw last week that the Lord's Prayer is an outline. It's fine to recite it, memorize it and recite it. Totally fine to do that, but that's not the ultimate intention of the prayer. It's an outline for how we pray with six requests. The first three requests have to do with God. The second three requests have to do with us. And the first request is, hallowed be your name. So word by word, what does this mean, hallowed? That's not a word that we use very often. It's probably safe to say that unless you read this text, you didn't use the word hallowed uh, in your vocabulary at all in the last week uh, because we don't use this word often. It's a a word that's related to the word holy. It's related to the word holy, but it's a verb. Hallowed is a verb here. And so it means to make holy or to to set apart as holy, or we could say to consider as holy, or this may even be closer, to to treat as holy. So he's saying, may your name be treated as holy. May your name be considered holy. May your name be revered as holy. That's, that's what the prayer request actually is. And this leads us to the question of what does holy mean? what does holy mean? We all kind of have an idea about holy, but have you ever really thought about what is holy? We often think, we often think of holy and the holiness of God, because this has to do with God. It's his name. So we know, hallowed be your name, if it means to treat as holy, consider holy, it has something to do with God, because it's his name that's being mentioned here. We often think about holiness And God, we think of his righteousness or his moral purity uh, or his ethical perfection, we might say. So we often think of God as holy, meaning that he is totally righteous and doesn't ever sin. And that's a true fact. That's, That's seen throughout the Bible. But the word holy, generally, when it's referred to as God, generally has something else additional in mind. And that is, holiness refers to sort of what distinguishes God from the creation. In his book, uh, On the Lord's Prayer, that we recommended a couple weeks ago, When You Pray, by Philip Riken, Riken says, holiness refers to everything that distinguishes the creator from his creation. That's really key. It's, it's about God's distinction. Holiness, he writes, is the very godness of God. It's the sum total of all of his glorious perfections. So holiness is not just his purity or his righteousness, it's that. It's the sum total of all of his perfections, which means that he is completely separate. He is other than us. He is glorious, absolutely glorious in his otherness, we could say. His holiness has to do with his otherness. So Jesus is saying, reverence God because he is not like you. He is uncommon. He is utterly distinct from everything that he has created. That's the holiness of God. He is separate from all that he is created. And you can't just look at the best thing you know in life. You know, the beauty of a newborn baby, the sweetness of... Uh, the, the love between a newly married couple, the beauty of a sunset. You, you can't just take the best things in life and say, you know, God's like that times two. No, God is the one who created all of that and is above and distinct from all of the creation. He is holy. Now, we're specifically to pray here that your name, your name may be considered Holy. In the Scripture, names function, especially in the Old Testament, but they function differently than they do for us. So in the Bible, typically people are given names not because it sounds good with their last name or not because necessarily, though this happens in the Bible, but not necessarily because it's a family name. Names are given in the Bible because they state something about the person. The name is not just an identifier or like a label. The name's not just a label of a person. The name has to do with who the person is, who the person is. Now, that's not as big maybe today. I don't know your view on this, but it's not as big today as it used to be. Uh, in the circles I've I've been in, in Christian circles. It used to be that it was really a big name, big deal to select a name and to really talk about the meaning of the name. So it was such a big deal that about 20 years ago, you know, like the first 10 years I was in pastoral ministry, whenever we did baby dedications, I would ask the parents to tell the name of the child, which we still do, but I would ask them to tell the meaning of the name of the child because many people named their kid with a meaning. And so they would always say something like, You know, whether it was true or not, you got it out of some Christian name book, or it's on a, I don't know, it's on like some bookmark. I never knew if they were all true. But like, this is our son, his name is this. It means warrior of God. Or this is our daughter, and her name means delight in the Lord. And it was always very moving. And so one day I was doing it, I came up to this dad, and I said, introduce your child and tell the name. He said, I'm not going to tell the name, but he said, this is our son, this is the name, and it means heathen. And uh, so I was like, bless his pagan little heart, you know. <laughs> and uh, that was literally the last time I've ever done that. I've never again tell us the name. What does it mean? <laughs> because was trying to make the point, isn't this powerful? Warrior of God, let's all believe the Lord. For a warrior of God, it's really awkward to say, let's believe that he will live out his name and be a heathen like none other. You know, you just can't really say that. So I stopped doing that. But in the Bible, that is the way it works. That is the way it works. And so uh, w- when we see names in the Bible, Moses means drawn from. That's powerful. Why? Because it means that baby Moses was s- providentially drawn out of the river uh, in a basket uh, as, uh, when he was found and his life was spared. It was a statement that his life was rescued and that God used him for great purposes. Or the name Joshua means God is salvation. Joshua, who leads, uh, leads people into uh, God's saving power uh, in the promised land. Uh, or even in the New Testament, Jesus gives Peter the name Rock. Why? Because it will be the preaching of Peter the, the, on which the church will be built as the first, uh, you know, one of the first apostles. And so it is with God. His name is not just a label, but His name tells us who He is, and there's all kinds of names of God in the Old Testament. Names like Yahweh Yireh, which means God who provides, or El Shaddai, which means Almighty God, or El Elyon means the Most High God, So when that name is given, it's saying something specifically. There's lots of nations that claim lots of gods, but our God, his name is Most High God because that's who he is. So revere his name. Well, his most common name in the Old Testament is the name Yahweh. It's used 7,000 times in the Old Testament. And it's translated in the, the Bible as Lord, but it's Lord in all caps. So sometimes in your Bible, it'll be Lord with only the L capitalized. But if it's Lord with all caps, that's the name, that's the translation of the name Yahweh, which is the sacred name of God that he gives as his name. He gives the name in the book of Exodus when he appears to Moses in a burning bush and gives Moses a a calling and a responsibility to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses says, "We know, when they ask who sent me, who do I say sent me? In other words, what is your name? God from the burning bush, what is your name? And he says, tell them Yahweh, which is the verb to be. It means I am. Or it means I exist. And so God is saying with this name that he is self-existent. He's saying, you know what? Just tell them that I exist in and of myself. I'm not dep- of myself. I'm not dependent on anyone. I wasn't created by any God. I have always been pure being, pure existence. Everything else on the planet is contingent on another. We are all created by God. We all depend upon God. But God says, "I am. Just know my name is, I exist, I am, I will be, I am utterly independent. He's saying you can know my name, you can understand something of my character, but you will never fully comprehend me. I am above you, I am beyond you, I am beyond your ultimate grasp. That's the God I am. And in that name, the most common biblical name, he demonstrates his holiness, that he is other, that he is glorious. And as the one who is glorious, who is other, who is holy, we owe him everything. We owe him all that we are. We exist because of him, yet he is the self-existent one. Moses in that moment is to get that God exists on his own, but you exist because I gave you life. And my people will be set free because I will set them free because I am sovereign and can do whatever pleases me, the God who exists in and of himself. This is the holy God. This is who he is. This is his name. So Jesus is saying, reverence, consider Uh, declare his name and who he is as holy. So what does he mean by this? Well, to start with, this is a request. Hallowed be your name is not a statement. It's a request. So he's not saying our Father in heaven who is holy. That's true. But he's not saying our Father in heaven who is holy. He's saying our Father who is in heaven, here's my first request in the prayer. May your name be hallowed. We are asking God to do something. May you be reverenced and your nature and your works uh, as your nature and your works deserve. So may you be reverenced as you deserve based on your character, which is reflected in your many names of the Bible. Uh, I think one way to sort of get at this, a good explanation of what he means by this, is in the Heidelberg Catechism. So the Heidelberg Catechism uh, catechism is a process of question and answer. And so question and answer 122 in the Heidelberg Catechism uh, walks through the Lord's Prayer. And the first question is, what does the first petition mean? This is the first petition we just read. And here's the answer. The answer is, hallowed be your name means this is the request, help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them. Your almighty power, your wisdom, your kindness, your justice, your mercy, and truth. And it means help us to direct all our living what we think, what we say, what we do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always be honored and praised. So it's, it's really saying two things. The request is saying, help us to know you. Help us to know your name, who you are. You can't glorify him if you don't know him. So help us to know you. And then secondly, help us to direct all our living to your honor and to your praise said negatively, help all of our life never to reflect in a way that people would blaspheme you. Help us never to live in a way that people would misconstrue you or speak badly about you because of our hypocrisy, but rather help us live in a way that always honors and praises your name. So the first part of that answer, which I think is helpful, is help us to know you. The second one is help us to live in a way for your honor. That's what he is talking about. Help us to know your name and glorify you. Now, why would Jesus start here? I I bet if you weren't thinking about the prayer and we just said, you know, what do you think about prayer? How do you start your prayers? Most of us probably wouldn't start here. The reason Jesus starts here is because this request gets at our purpose for living, The first request gets at the reason we are breathing air on planet earth today. He's saying, when you come to prayer, remember the most basic truth in all the universe. You exist for God. God does not exist for you. Hallowed be your name, almighty I am holy be your name, the self-existent one. It reminds us from the beginning that we are here to bring glory to him. He is not here to bring glory to us. He created us, and now he has saved us in Jesus Christ that we may live all of our life, as the statement said, for his honor and for his praise. And so the first request of the prayer is, What is my purpose in life? It's that I glorify God and enjoy him forever, as the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. It's so obvious that we all almost miss it. When you come to prayer, where do you start? It's the sunglasses on your head. When you're saying, has anybody see my sunglasses? You start with your whole purpose in life. The whole reason we are here is to live for his glory. And Jesus says, whenever you come to prayer, oh, you recognize the greatness of God who is in heaven. You recognize the nearness and tenderness of God who is your father. And you start with the reaffirmation of your purpose and saying, God, would you be hallowed? Would you be declared and seen as holy in our lives? It's so basic, but it's so easy to miss. I don't know about you, but here's what it looks like for me. It's so easy for me to say, my purpose is to glorify God. And it's so easy for me to run through my day giving little to no thought about, am I glorifying God in this moment? It's easy to say, I am all about living for God. Yet if you played my prayers, recorded them, and played them back, you would see too frequently there, I'm for God's glory, and my prayer is just a brief hello to God, and then a shopping list of all he needs to do for me. It's it's the most important place to start prayer, yet it is the most forgotten prayer that we often utter. We are created and redeemed to bring Him glory, and so our first concern in prayer should be the glory of God. May His name be reverenced. Now, there is a place for bringing request. Half of, uh, half of the, pr- the, the prayer is about bringing request. Lord, guard me. Guard, God, protect me. Lord, give me the money I need to live. God, provide for my family and all of my needs. Lord, please forgive me for my sins. God, please help me. I'm angry with that person. Help me, help me forgive them. God, remove the bitterness from my heart. All that's in here. So there's all kinds of personal prayer requests. But the starting one, the starting one is we start with you. Mm -hmm. it's just easy to forget the Bible's about God. Prayer's about God. The universe is about God. Your life is to be about God. And so Jesus says, whenever you come to prayer, that's the first thing to remember. That's the first button on the shirt. If we don't get the first button on the shirt right, it's for your glory, then all of the other buttons won't be in line and 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 the shirt will look messed up. So what does Jesus say? We talked about hallowed. We talked about his name. What does he mean? We talked about, Lord, I want to know you. And then I want to be able to live in a way that's pleasing. I want all of us to be able to live in that way. So how do we respond? Third question, final question. How do we respond? Well, help us to know you, help us to glorify you. But here's the challenge. The challenge with this request, I think, our metrics. How do we measure if we're really living for the glory of God? How do we measure if his holiness is being reflected from our church? If his name is being lifted up and honored by Grace Church Frisco? How do you measure that? You know, give us this day our daily bread. Did we get three meals today? Yes, God answered that prayer. That's, that's easy to measure. This one is challenging to measure. How do we know if we're hallowing his name? Well, a simple answer might be we obey him. A simple answer might be we are hallowing his name, reverencing his name when we honor him with our life. When our thoughts, our lifestyle, our speech, when they align with his word, then we are glorifying God. But it's more than that. It's not just externally having a life or a church life or a family life that glorifies God and obeys Him. It's also, why do we do that? God always goes to our motivation. So, it's why do we do what we do? It's not only are we doing the right thing, but it's why do we do what we do? We glorify God by the way we think, by the way we speak, by the way we act, But it's the motive. Why do we do what we do? I read a story this week that helped really tie this together. And uh, it was a story about a guy that uh, grew up in a very poor family in the U.S. And he got into college, and as a matter of fact, he was the first member of his entire family ever to go to college. And when he was at college, as frequently happens at a party or something, someone offered him uh, drugs, illegal drugs. They offered him some illegal drugs at a party, and he said no. And the person said, well, come on, you know what? What's the big deal? Nobody's going to know that you got high. And this was the student's response. That's not the point, said the student. The point is that my mother cleaned houses, and washed floors to send me to this college. I am here because of my mom, and I am here for her. I wouldn't do anything that might demean her sacrifice for me. That is a powerful illustration how much more God... What God has sacrificed for us in Jesus Christ. Reverencing his name is, I don't want to do anything that demeans the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that celebrates the sin that he died for, that glories in the pride and arrogance and selfishness that caused him to endure the wrath of the Father on the cross for my sin. I don't want to do anything that would demean who he is for what he has done for me. He is my loving father. I don't want to act in a way that would offend the God who has done everything for me. That's an appropriate response. This guy was respecting his mom. How much more do we reverence God In all that we do, live for His glory. That is our calling, and that's why we pray, Lord, would you do this in my life? You see this theme in the scripture that we tie behavior to the glory of God, we tie behavior to doing a life, living a life for His glory. Consider 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Here Paul is talking about whether it's right to eat meat or not eat meat in the situation in Corinth. There was some details, some context to that. But he said, hey, everything's lawful, but not everything's profitable. And then he says this, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do in this situation, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. He says, how do you make an ethical decision about eating meat when someone may be offended by that because of some context, because of the time that they lived in? How do you make that decision? I'm not going to give you a just simple right or wrong. I'm going to say, you make a choice that will bring glory to God. You make a choice that will shine the light on who He is as your Savior. That's how you make the choice. Glory to God by loving others. Or think about Colossians 3. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He's saying, All of life is to be lived for glory, God's glory. So, whatever you do, here's how you know the right thing. Can I give thanks to God? Can I praise God? Can I honor God in doing this thing or not doing that thing? And can I do so gratefully? making the point that gratitude honors God. If we want to reverence his name, we do that with being grateful people. Ingratitude, being an ungrateful person dishonors the name. It doesn't elevate the holiness of God. It dishonors his name. I think these verses are so important because the New Testament doesn't envision following Jesus as just a list of rules. Here's the code of conduct to be a Christian and just do these things and check them off. No, following Jesus means having a change of heart. It means the Holy Spirit coming into us as we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, as we believe that he died and rose for us, as we repent of our sin and turn to believe in him. When we do that, we become a new creation. And what happens is the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside so that we're not just saying, what's the checklist, God? It, but, but our hearts are changed. So we say, change it from what, what do I have to do to how can I please and honor you? How can I glorify you? How can I show people your name, which is your character? How can I display, how can my life platform your glory that's a very different way of living. How can I do whatever I do to glorify God? This requires thought, checklist, code of conduct. That's easy. But God goes to the heart, and he wants us to think about how we live. And uh, this, is, this makes ethical decisions. Uh, it, it, makes us, it causes us to think them through and, and respond from our heart. It causes us to ask, Lord, in this situation, how do I glorify you and my family? Lord, in this situation, how do I glorify you in this relationship where we're in conflict? It's not, how am I proven right? How do I get my way? It's, Lord, how can I honor you in this relationship? That frames the question. Lord, how do I honor you with my finances? It's not just, how much do I have to give down at the church? It's, Lord, you own everything that I have. So how do I use all that you have entrusted to me to steward? How do I all use all that so that it brings revenue of glory to your name? How can I leverage and maximize my time, my talents, my treasures, so that you are honored most? That's what this prayer is asking. Hey, Lord, how do I steward my body and my health for your glory so that I might, so that I might Lord, by your grace, Honor you with my life. How do I glorify you in my work? How do I glorify you with my speech? How do I, Lord, how do I glorify you with my thought life? Lord, how can I use my social media to reflect who you are? And What you've done? How do I glorify God, Lord, in my hobbies, in my recreation? How do I glorify you in my time off? This isn't meant to be some burdensome thing. It's just meant to say, Lord, I want to offer my life to you, live for you. May your name be declared holy. May there be attention drawn to your name through the way I live. So what does that mean? And what does that look like? That's why I can't just give a list of here's the things to do to glorify the Lord. I don't know who your relationships are. I don't know where you live and what you do and what the Lord's calling on your life. Is it all of that? Well, I mean, I know that about some of you, many of you, but it's how, how you have to ask your own life. How has God called me to honor him? This is not easy. And, and that's why this is the number one request in prayer. Living a thoughtful, intentional life for the glory of God is not easy, and that's why it's the number one request in prayer. That's why we start there, because we all need a ton of help living for the glory of God. Living for ourselves, we got that one down. We could put on a clinic on that. I could teach a seminar with no notes and no preparation how to live selfishly, and you know what? You could too. We could all do that. The question is, how do I respond to your glory. Lord, would you, would you set apart your name as holy in my life? It's not just how can I, though, because we said last week that the prayer is plural. It's a corporate prayer request. How can we, hallowed be your name, your name be viewed and valued and treasured as holy in our midst? How do we do that? Well, I'm about out of time, and there's millions of ways that we could do that, but I want to say just one way that we do that, and it's happening right now. One way that we glorify the Lord is that we gather together, and as we gather, we make our primary goal to draw attention to who He is and what He's done. We show up, uh, if you're watching at home, if you're in the room, we show up for Him, not for us. Well, what if I don't feel like it? Is He worthy? What if I'm not in the mood? Is He deserving? That's what the prayer. Maybe we need to pray that prayer, Lord. I don't feel like it, uh, Lord. I don't. I don't get it at all. You seem distant right now, but I pray, Hallowed be Your name in us, and to make my contribution to Your name being lifted up in us, I'm going to participate with us. Hallowed be Your name. We show up for Him. He is deserving. Every time we gather and sing and pray and fellowship, our highest desire is, God, glorify yourself through us. This seems obvious. This seems like the keys in my pocket. But I'm walking around saying, has anybody seen my keys? I miss the obvious. I miss the whole purpose of corporate life together and think it's about me instead of it's about him. And I do that because I'm weak and I'm forgetful. And I'm sinful. And I need to pray every day, hallowed be your name in us and in me. That's why Jesus starts here. Lastly, we can pray hallowed be your name only because Jesus prayed hallowed be your name. None of us are here desiring to glorify the Lord if Jesus didn't hallow God's name by suffering and dying. There's a passage of scripture it's fascinating John 12 and Jesus says this in verses 27 through 28. Jesus says now my soul is troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour. The hour meant his death. He uses that term in John the hour to refer to his death. So father save me from this hour of my death. But, as, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Lord, my whole purpose is to lay my life down as a sin offering to redeem a people for your glory. That's why I'm here, Jesus prays. So he says, Father, glorify your name. Jesus was willing to give his life as a sacrifice to glorify the Father. And what's the result of Jesus living, hallowed be your name? The result is that Our sins are forgiven if we believe in Christ, that his sacrifice counts for us, that his resurrection empowers us, not only with eternal life, but with meaning forever life, but life in the now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus glorified God by laying down his life, and so now we know him, if we believe, we know him and are called to the same mission and ministry to joyfully lay down our lives for the one who laid down his life. We pray, hallowed be your name, because Jesus prayed and then acted, Lord, glorify yourself in this hour. Because he did that, it made all the difference. And so this is our purpose. This is our purpose. This, this, little, this four English words describe our purpose to glorify God with our lives. It's so obvious that it's easy to miss. And so as we close in prayer and as we pray this week, may we, after we address our Father in heaven, consider what that means, think about what that means, meditate on what that means. As we address the Lord, may we start with God and may we start asking for his glory to be known in our world, in our city, in our church, in our families, in our lives personally as well. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.